You know, we discover that Jacob is alone, and uh, it's one of the few times that we see him alone. Now, it's interesting because something happens here, and he sees God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV on this Monday. It is a wonderful day to read as we are now moving into Genesis chapter 32 and understanding what God is doing. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at ancient childbearing customs and how they relate to our reading in Genesis. Ryan? Today, molecular geneticist Dr. Georgia Purdom joins us once again to discuss the nature of science and what it can and cannot do. I like this interview and this is great, so make sure you stay there, Janice. My segment today is called Change of Plans. All right, so let's change our ideas by going to God's Word, who tells us the truth about the past. And let's begin to study in Genesis chapter 22 and listen to God's Word. Genesis 29, verses 15 through 30. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah, And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service, which you will serve me still another seven years." Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. Genesis chapter 29, verses 15 through 30. Genesis 29 to 31, what a great passage to begin to uncover today as we come close to 
the end of Genesis. Now, Abraham had tried to establish a pattern of securing family marriages from the land he was originally from. Now, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, had come from Abraham's original land. And when Isaac and Rebekah's sons were of age, they were frustrated when Esau married Canaanite women instead. And they would have preferred he would have stuck to the pattern that Jacob followed. Now, the pattern when he chose to live with Laban and work for seven years so that he could marry Laban's younger daughter. And she would be called Rachel. He loved Rachel. And when the wedding arrived, Jacob was given Laban's older daughter, Leah, instead. Now, Leah, whose name means gazelle, was not loved or favored by Jacob. But the Lord blessed her with six sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Now, this was the beginning of the interesting story of Jacob's family. And this is another story. We've heard about Abraham. We've listened to Abraham. But what about Jacob? Well, this is something that we're going to learn today as we focus on the lonely woman, Leah. This is fascinating. Now, take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage and get out your Bible as we begin to read this. Now, understand that you can get your Bible guide by simply writing to us or calling us or going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on it, uh, the Bible guide, and it'll take you to a page where you can make a donation. Thank you for your donations. And then it'll take you to the page where you can download it exactly how it's printed. So that's good. A PDF file is great to have. So anyway, let's pray and ask the Lord to show us the lonely woman. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would show us the lonely woman. Help us to see Leah. Help us to see God's favor in this whole plan. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, help us to read from the Bible, not into the Bible. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, this gets interesting because it seems that the 29th chapter is about 15 verses in because we read the other part of it last year. Now, the 15 verses, beginning with verse 15, then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now, Laban had two daughters, and the name of the elder daughter was Leah, and the name of the younger daughter was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you for seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Now this gets very interesting because as people who follow God, we know that what we want is what we want. But is it what God desires? Okay, we know what we want, but is that what God desires? Again, we're pointing out the differences. We must always submit to God's ways above our own ways. Did you hear that? Because most people come to know the Lord and they figure the Lord's going to help them. But we rarely come to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, that becomes very important to ask that question when we come to know Jesus Christ. 
we make him Lord of our life. We're going to say to him, Lord Jesus, show me your ways and teach me your paths, as Psalm 25 tells me. Now that gets really interesting, I'll tell you. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Genesis 29, 19 says, And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place, and they made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, take note, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, Jacob did, What is this you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? That brings me to this point. Leah was given to Jacob as wife instead of Rachel because she was older. You see, God's will is accomplished with or without us. Now listen to that carefully. God's will is accomplished with or without us. We should always submit to God's will. Beloved, listen carefully. Because as the feast went on and they got rich in their drink, you know, they didn't, they weren't aware of what's going on and it got very dark. Then Leah comes into him and the order of marriage was that they would sleep together and go from there. Well, it turns out that he has Leah. Now this is fascinating. What's going on here? Well, let's go to chapter 29 verse 26, and let's find out. It says, and Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Interesting. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service, which you will serve with me still another seven years. And then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as maid. And then Jacob also went to Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. Now this is fascinating, I'll tell you. We look at number three, Jacob was doing things his way. You know, we often spend time learning to submit to the will of God. (laughs) A lot of people ask me about the will of God. Let me tell you, I don't know what the will of God is for your life. The Holy Spirit knows. But I can tell you that nine times out of 10, the will of God is not our desires. There is a scripture that said, When you go towards God, he gives you the desires of your heart. Actually, it says this. When you love God, he changes and fulfills the desires of your heart. You see, we have desires when we do not love God. But when we love God, those desires are shifted. They are changed because that's how God adjusts us and makes us to think. And let me tell you something. 
His desires are far better than my desires were. His desires are far exceeding anything that I felt or needed or anything like that when I submit to Jesus Christ. Beloved, trust God when he says, when you submit to me and follow my ways, then I will bless you and your paths will be strengthened and you will do well. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And all last week, I've been playing you clips from this DVD set called A World by Design, the Niagara Conference. And these are interviews that I recently conducted with the folks over at Answers in Genesis. Now, if you recall, last week on Monday and Tuesday, Bodie Hodge joined us to discuss the global flood and the dispersion at Babel. Then on Wednesday and Thursday, my good friend Calvin Smith stopped by to talk a little bit about dinosaurs and where they fit into the biblical narrative. And he also talked about how the Bible doesn't only teach us spiritual truths, but also physical truths as well, such as creation and the global flood. And then on Friday's program, Dr. Georgia Purdom talked to us a little bit about the alleged human and chimp relation. And now she's back with us again to talk about another important topic, and that is science. Now, a lot of people put their total, total trust in science and even use it as a religious replacement for God's word. But what exactly is science and what are its limits? Well, here's just a brief clip from my lengthy conversation with Dr. Purdom. Very good. Well, you know, many people, they profess a belief not in God, but rather in science. But ironically, most people don't really seem to understand what science is and what it can and cannot do. And many people even claim that creationism, and particularly young earth creationism, is a type of pseudoscience. So let me ask you, what is science and is young earth creationism really a pseudoscience? Well, I think going back maybe a little bit earlier to what some of the things you were saying, I think a lot of people think of this as an issue of science versus the Bible. Like they, that's what they see it and that's how they characterize it. But that's really a false characterization, right? It, it's not that. It's faith in God versus faith in man. Um, and, and, that, and then that goes right to, well, what is science? And science is just a way of knowing, right? It's a way of knowing about something. But there's really two categories of science. There's observational science and there's historical science. And so that's where our faith in God and faith versus faith in man really comes into play. When you're talking about observational science, that's just science that we do. I call it here and now science. It's what we do in the here and now. It's observable, testable, repeatable. Um, it's what scientists do in the lab every day. It gives us amazing technology um, and medicines and things like that. But And so a scientist's worldview doesn't really have much of... Um, doesn't make a huge difference, right? Because we're, we're forming, we're using a scientific method. So we're forming a hypothesis, we're making, we're doing tests. Does it support or not support the original hypothesis? So it, it's, it's directly observable, it's directly testable, but that's very different from historical science, right? Because that's dealing with things like creation and evolution. Those are one-time events that have happened in the past. 
So they're not observable, they're not testable, and they're not repeatable. So we can't use the scientific method, so to speak. Um, so what, so then the scientist's worldview or the person's worldview has a major impact on how they view the evidence. And so do we start with the infallible word of the infallible God, or do we start with fallible man's ideas um, about the past? And, and that's really, and it's how we interpret the science that we have today and how we then apply it to the past, right? So a person's worldview is going to have a major um, role in that. And so, um, but because I rely on God's word as my starting point, um, people will say, I'm not a real scientist. You know, um, it is pseudoscience, but it really isn't. Like I say, it's not about science versus the Bible. It's it's all comes back down to that faith issue. Um, is our faith in God's word or is our faith in man's ideas? And it's going to make a difference in how we interpret everything um, and what we think about the past. So that was just a very brief clip out of that entire interview. But if you do want more on these sorts of topics, then I want to encourage you to check out the Answers in Genesis website at answersingenesis.org. Also, as a reminder, if you want the interviews themselves, then they are available totally uncut on A World by Design, the Niagara Conference, which you can get through our ministry. Yeah, and that's at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. I, I want to make a comment, and that is that these people are very much all doctors and uh, skilled levels, uh, you know. And, and I think that we need to understand that, that there's a lot of people who are very skilled and studied who have a different origin of the earth and of the universe than some scientists do uh, that have a very different origin of the universe, which is popularly taught mm -hmm. uh, in school. So that's what we believe. And yeah. I think that we need to understand if we believe the Bible, then there's a reason that the scientists believe the Bible, and that is yeah. science. And that's exactly what uh, Dr. Purdom was saying in today's interview as well. So. You know, yeah, she's a very brilliant scientist. In fact, she is. Uh, she's amazing. And so that's good. Down in, in Kentucky at the Creation Museum, you can go see him at the Creation Museum anytime as well. So that's very, very good. Corey? Okay, I want to focus in on Genesis chapters 29 to 30, because in those chapters, we read about kind of these baby wars, for lack of a better term, that Jacob's two wives, Leah and Rachel, you know, begin to have to kind of, you know, gain more superiority or, or, uh, favor from their husband, Jacob. And it's a very sad and, you know, traumatic situation for this family in every level. And it can be particularly shocking to us living in the West because the West was a, you know, it's a culture that was originally based on Christian values. And uh, the way that those values in, in our conception of marriage you know, have played out is the, the in the idea of consent and the idea of monogamy. Those ideas are Judeo-Christian values. Uh, and so when we come across Genesis 29 and 30, it can be quite shocking to us. So to help us understand it, we're going to be taking a look at ancient childbearing customs. Take a look. The lives of the fathers of Israel are recorded in the biblical book of Genesis, and they contain elements of living that seem foreign to our modern societies. For example, the use of Sarah's maidservant Hagar to produce a child in Sarah and Abraham's otherwise monogamous marriage. In a world without medical fertility treatments, this arrangement not only made practical sense, but ancient records have been found legislating the practice. 
At different times and places, there were varying laws, but all aimed to define the legal status of the surrogate and the resulting child. In Sarah and Abraham's case, we also see Hagar then make a power play, maybe for wife status, which Sarah swiftly rectified, likely by demoting her to slave status and treating her poorly, which, not surprisingly, also has parallels in ancient accounts. It's notable that though Sarah was barren for most of their married lives, during that time Abraham did not take a second wife. This could be due to a personal moral code, love, or it could have been the result of their marriage contract. Details varied from contract to contract. Some prohibited any other wives or concubines. Some gave stipulations on how many years to try for a child before a surrogate or secondary wife was sought, and others outlined where any inheritance should go. Before Ishmael's birth by proxy and Isaac's birth by Sarah, Abraham made reference to another ancient solution, adoption. Abraham lamented that his servant was his heir. This practice is also known and in certain places was legislated. Marriage and childbirth became a motivating factor in the troubled lives of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. The women both vying for cultural supremacy via how many children they and their maidservants could bear. While this was a mess, the Bible also records a complaint Rachel and Leah had against their father, that he had squandered their inheritance and so they felt he had basically sold them. A bride price for married daughters was normally given to the husband in trust in case of the husband's death or absence but apparently Laban refused to give or outline the bride price, treating his daughters more like common slaves and not caring for their futures. So I really hope that this look into ancient culture uh, in, in how childbearing played a part in ancient life helps you understand some of the cultural context of Genesis 29 and 30 because it can be quite shocking. This is very ancient history and we also have to remember, it's really important to remember that just because the Bible talks about something that was going on, it doesn't mean the Bible is endorsing a certain type of behavior. There are times when the Bible does endorse behavior and there are times when the Bible talks about behavior and does not endorse it. So we have to be really careful when we're reading the Bible to recognize the difference. And, and you know, as you read through the Bible, as you study through the Bible and try to understand what it's meaning, those things, uh, whether it's endorsing or not endorsing, they become quite apparent. Context is very important and uh, you've hit on it and we need, and you've done this the past couple of days, and we need to let everybody know and understand that people need to realize that uh, the Bible is talking in context into different cultures at this time. Mm -hmm. And so we, we understand that the values which are eternal and the values which last forever are the biblical values. And God speaks about humanity values and it does not endorse them. And God never endorses the killing of anyone. Yet at the same time, it says, well, God told them in the war that they were to kill. Well, that's a whole other story. We'll get to that when we get to the uh, different levels of uh, his discussion. But it's really important for us to hear the context of this. Thank you, Corey. Mm -hmm, Excellent. No problem. Janice. Yes, and we very much appreciate both your segments, Corey, putting things into 
historical context and Ryan uh, touching on apologetics and scientific elements, it really does add a dimension that a lot of people are not used to. And so we, we very much value that. Now, I'm really glad, actually, Corey, that you did touch on what you, what you taught on, because these are difficult chapters for mm-hmm. us to read. And, and a lot of times it doesn't make sense. It doesn't sit well, does it, with us? And so we look at here, um, in, in Genesis chapter 29, we're looking at Jacob meeting Rachel and falling in love with her and making a deal, a commitment with uh, Rachel's father, Laban, to work for a certain number of years in order to marry Rachel. And she was the younger daughter. And we find out in this account that the daughters were switched. And he ends up, uh, Jacob ends up marrying the older daughter, Leah, instead of the younger sister. And he says to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Now, I'm going to take this in a very different direction. Because when I read this, I, I wondered how Jacob must have felt being deceived and, and receiving Leah instead of Rachel. And yet he still stuck with his commitment and made an arrangement to stay and give Leah a week and then he would receive Rachel as well. But I thought, you know, as followers of Jesus Christ, and I hope that you can hear what I'm saying today, that this makes sense. When we give our heart to the Lord Jesus and we begin to follow him, there's some rough times that can happen when we give our hearts to the Lord. There are things that we don't anticipate, things in our life that we have to change. Our plans sometimes get shifted into God's plans, which is why I titled my segment today, Change of Plans. And sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes it doesn't feel right when we're following and doing what the Lord asks us to. Sometimes it means a loss of friends. And sometimes it means a loss of family, maybe even a loss of job. But when we come to the Lord and we give him our life, we commit. It's not my plans, but it's his plans for my life. When things happen to you in your life as a follower of Christ, hold on to him. Ask him for his direction in your life. Don't turn away. Come to him. Give your heart to him. Don't turn back. Don't stop serving the Lord. Pray, spend time in the word, and he will help you. Although Jacob had to have been deeply disappointed, even angry at what had happened, he stayed with Laban, fulfilling his commitment. No matter what happens to you in your life, when you have come to Jesus Christ, tough times will come. But we are the overcomers, not because we're so great, but because the God that we serve is great, and he will help us and teach us through all things.
Well, as you know, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 Eastern Time, that's Eastern Standard Time, we decide to have a prayer meeting. And if you show up on Facebook, YouTube, or Bible Discovery TV, just dis discuss Bible Discovery. Just type it in Facebook or YouTube. You can find it, and we'll pray for you. Right now, let's pray. Lord, help me to change my ways of thinking. Help me, Father, to follow you. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen.